This is episode number 231 with Mel Wills. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Just a quick little reminder that if you want to listen to my episodes one day earlier than they are released anywhere else, you have to download the app Himalaya and follow my show. Himalaya is free, super easy to use, and has every podcast you can think of. I love that you can leave comments under each episode and even create episode playlists. So make sure you check it out today. Mel Wills is a two-time number one best-selling author published with Hay House. Her books, The Goddess Revolution and Hungry for More, have been described by OK Magazine as Bibles to help women quit dieting and heal their relationship with food and their bodies. Mel has given talks at TEDx and at Google HQ in London, and she has appeared on TV as a guest on ITV's Loose Women. She was featured in Forbes Under 30, who described Mel as giving a voice to the silent struggle billions of women know so well. Mel works with clients through her online programs and on her luxury self-love retreats in Bali, and also has founded the UK's first self-love summit, an epic weekend event for women of all walks of life to come together to celebrate and love themselves. That sounds awesome and I would love to attend that. And in this episode, we chat about her story from being a big TV star to her eating disorder to where she is today, how she went from hating her body to loving it, how you can learn to love yourself and your body no matter your history, how to master your mind, the power of bio-individuality, why you need to know your triggers, why food is a gateway for spiritual growth, what is a self-love menu, how to break bad patterns and stop binge eating for good, the power of boundaries, how to build trust in your relationships, the beautiful morning routine that helps her thrive, how to have more pleasure in your life, plus so much more. And for everything that Mel and I mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that is over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 231. And before we dive into today's epic conversation, I want to read the review of the week. And this week, it comes from Grow With Lily, and it's a five-star review titled Inspiring and Transformational. And Grow With Lily says, Melissa's podcast is my absolute favorite. I get excited for each new episode. The guests are so inspiring and Melissa does such a wonderful job of getting the best out of them. I've learned so much already and have been making changes toward a healthier and happy life. Thank you so much, Melissa. Thank you so much, Lily. I'm so grateful that you took the time to leave that review. I'm so honored and very grateful. And don't forget that if you want to be the review of the week for next week, all you got to do is head on over to iTunes and leave me that five-star review. Thank you in advance. And now, without further ado, let's bring on the beautiful Mel Wills. Beautiful Mel, I'm so excited to have you on the show. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Yes. Oh, it's so good to be here. I had eggs and avocado and smoked salmon. Oh, yum. And you're in Bali at the moment, which is very exciting. And I have a question for you. Is it Melissa or Melanie? It's Melissa. So we are the same. Oh, yeah. <laughs> love that. Love that. I love you even more now. I know. Yeah. I, I shortened it to Mel because it kind of rhymes with my last name. And then, yeah, recently I've been asking my friends to call me Melissa again because I just, I really think we have a beautiful name and it's a shame to shorten it all the time. 
We do have a beautiful name. I love my name. I didn't as a child. I didn't like it in primary school when I was kind of going through that awkward stage where you are trying to like be like everybody else. And the older I've gotten, the more and more I love it. Yes. No, I completely agree. I I kind of had one of those things where I was like, okay, well, I've shortened it now and I've, you know, brought out two books with Mel on, but is it too late to kind of go back to Melissa? So I'm kind of, at the moment, I'm using both. (laughs) Oh, I love it. And it's so funny, honey. When I was researching you, I thought I was reading about myself. Like we're both called Melissa. We both went to performing arts college. We both were on big TV shows. Like, so let's take it back. Like, can you tell us your story and how you got to where you are today doing the work that you now do? How did this all unfold for you? Oh my God. Yes, I would love to. And by the way, I had the exact same feeling when I came across you and so many people have said to me, you know, you really remind me of Melissa Ambrosini, you know, (laughs) so I'm glad that we get to finally hook up and chat. So yes, how did I get into all this? Well, yeah, as you said, my, my first passion in life was always acting. Well, actually it was dancing, but acting was like my thing um, very, very early on in life. Um, and so, yeah, as you do kind of go to performing arts school, go to performing arts college and, um, you know, I'm nearly 30 now. So at the time for me, when I was going through college, that was like, you know, I was 16, 17. And nowadays, obviously kind of, it's all about like body image for women is all about the big butt and the small waist. Back when I was kind of growing into a woman, it was all about the size zero. I'm sure you remember it was just everywhere. It was like, you have to be as as waif-like as possible and have a lollipop head. And, you know, for someone that's, you know, a very impressionable teenager that wants to be an actress, you know, I was seeing all these actresses that looked like that. And I was thinking, okay, well, that is what I need to be successful. And especially because I, I'm such a type A, classic high achiever, classic perfectionist or have been. And I kind of basically saw that as a way to be the best. And I was like, okay, so I need to get as thin as possible because that will mean that I will be successful or I will have more of a chance of being successful. And I've always been tall. So I'm five foot 10. And I remember the first acting agent that I had said to me quite bluntly, yeah, you know, the perfect height for an actress is five, four. And I remember thinking, okay, so what do you want me to do? Like chop my legs off or something? But yeah, I kind of always remember feeling like I need to shrink as much as possible if I have any chance of making it in this industry. And, you know, it wasn't long before I developed an eating disorder at the age of 16. Now, I got to age 18, you know, having really, you know, shrunk myself and gotten very ill. And I actually landed a part in a TV show here, which would see me filming full time for two years. And it was a soap opera. So I was on the TV pretty much every night in people's living rooms. And because I got that part when I was super thin, I it just kind of gave me more evidence of like, okay, this is definitely you know, I'm doing the right thing. So it's really damaging. But then basically what happened was I went up to start filming on the TV show and the pressure that I then, that I then had from being on screen every night and kind of, you know, I was getting recognized in the streets and things like that and seeing myself on screen a lot, which I hated, it actually sent me the other way. So I actually then developed binge eating disorder, uh, which turned into bulimia and I gained a lot of weight very fast. I was like, almost like, eating food like it was, like I was inhaling it like it was oxygen, like I'd not seen food or eaten a meal in my life before. Because obviously that's what happens when we, you know, restrict for a very long time is that, you know, our bodies eventually want to boomerang the other way. And so I found myself just uncontrollably eating and then giving myself such a hard time about it and trying all these crazy diets to try and lose the weight. I mean, you name it, I did it. I was doing cabbage soups. I was doing the lemonade, maple syrup thing. I got myself addicted to fat burners, laxatives, like just you name it, anything extreme I would do. I was fasting, but not like the kind of fasting that like people can do healthily. Like I was fasting like as in like not eating for three days. And then, oh, it was just it was just such a dark place for me. And to have that going on while I was on screen every night as well, I just was putting myself under such immense pressure. 
And, you know, my biggest turning point that came, that came for me was I actually found out that my dad had been diagnosed with terminal cancer and given four months to live. And that obviously just completely shook my world. Now, what happened when, when that happened was I basically turned my obsession with food into an obsession with health. So up till that point, I had been, when it came to food, I knew nothing about nutrition. All I knew was like, what has the lowest calories? What is like diet friendly? What is going to help me lose weight? Like I didn't care about, you know, nutrition. I literally didn't care. I wanted all the shortcuts. I wanted the fat burners. I wanted Diet Coke. I wanted anything that had slim on it. I was like, give it to me. Now, when that happened with my dad, everything changed and I became obsessed with healthy living and basically kind of dove into all this research on veganism and cancer and the links between a plant-based diet and cancer. And I basically got consumed with this vegan lifestyle message. And, you know, on the surface, you know, what I like consciously, I thought this means everything to me because, you know, this is, this is why my dad's got sick. And, you know, if I become vegan and if I help everyone else become vegan, then I can stop the world from getting sick. And, you know, it was unfortunately too late for anything to help my dad. He couldn't even get chemo and he passed away. And it, and it gave me this kind of new ignited passion for health. And I was like, I am going to be the best vegan ever. I'm going to teach everyone how to be vegan. And then, you know, we're going to be safe from cancer, basically. And that was kind of like my mission. And that was how I got into health coaching. And that was when I trained to become a health coach at IIN and did all the things. And, you know, eventually I realized that it was just another way for me to have an eating disorder. It was just another way for me to be super controlling around my food. And that kind of turned into a different obsession. And I was like, oh, wait, (laughs) I've just done the same thing, but in a different, in a different way, like with a, with a, with a more socially acceptable mask on. And so that hit me really hard. And I was like, oh, okay, this is this, I'm not actually healed. I'm still you know, I, I was still full of self-hate. That was the bottom line. I still thought that, you know, I had to be perfect. I still thought that if I found the perfect diet, then, you know, my life would suddenly begin and I would suddenly feel confident and love myself. And, you know, it wasn't even just enough for me to be, be vegan. I had to also be gluten-free. I had to also go on juice cleanses all the time. I had to do, you know, raw cleanses. I was, you know, I just couldn't find a balance for the love of God. <laughs> now, then what happened was I am going to get to, <laughs> I'm going to get to present day soon, but I just have to hit these turning points because they were all so powerful for me. So what happened next was a couple of years later, I found myself. So I've, I, what I left out of this story was I got married very young. I got married when I was 21 to someone that I went to school with. And basically we had got to the point in our relationship where everyone around us were having babies and we were starting to think, is there something like, should we start having babies now? And I was so, so young. But anyway, found myself in this conversation about we should start trying for a baby. And um, I remember like... This was at 21 years old? So I would have been, at this point, I would have been 23 Okay. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, I got married when I was 21. And when we were 20, when I was 23, you know, I mean, the way <laughs> this was like, I was living in my hometown still and everyone around us, it was kind of like, get married, get a house, have kids. That's, that's it basically. And that was where I was at at that point in my life. Anyway. So we kind of said, okay, let's, let's consider trying for a baby. And I went up and I had this like, come to Jesus moment where I looked at my body in the bathroom mirror, like I had done so many times before every single morning. And I looked at my body and I was like, okay, we're going to have a baby in here. And I had this groundbreaking moment of like, what the hell? Like what kind of, firstly, how am I going to go through pregnancy if I'm just so determined to be skinny? what if I actually can't conceive because I've, because I've put my body through so much damage? What if I am the kind of mum that gives birth and then goes straight on a juice cleanse to try and lose the baby weight? What kind of a message am I going to be passing down to a little girl or a little boy? 
And I remember looking at my body and thinking like, if you, if this body is going to have a baby inside it, I really have to change the way that I'm speaking to my body. I need to change the way that I'm nourishing my body. And basically I need to change now. And so I made that decision in that moment. I was like, you are nowhere near ready for a baby because you cannot even look after your body without a baby, let alone having a baby in it. And so I made that decision there and then I was like, I have to go on a journey of self-love and let go of all of these stupid rules that I've created around food because otherwise I am going to live my life thinking that it's all about my weight and my body and it's not. I really want to be a good mom. I really want to have a family and be a good role model. And so I suddenly had this vision that was so much bigger than controlling my food. And yeah, in that moment, I was like, I am going to chuck out my scales. I am going to chuck out anything. Like I'm going to literally abandon and throw away any rules that I've created for myself. I'm going to actually learn to listen to my body and I'm going to face my fear of gaining weight because I was so afraid of weight gain. And I actually went, you know what? It's actually not the worst thing at all. Who cares? Like who actually cares? It's so much more important that I have a healthy mindset around food. And I actually discover how it feels to be living in a body that feels like my home and my friend. That's how I want to bring a baby into this world. So that was kind of the start of my journey of self-love. And it actually took me to a place where I realized that I was in a relationship that we didn't have the same vision for our lives. We didn't have really the same values. We just got married super young. And so, you know, going on that self-love journey really gave me the, the, the sense of self-worth to actually say, you know, this, we're not a fit. We're really just not a match, are we? Um, and so, yeah, really since that moment, everything has just, just like, just got so incredible in my life since I decided to make friends with my body first. And did you leave that marriage? I did. Yes, I did. So we got divorced. I went on a little journey by myself and was single for a couple of years. And then I moved to Bali and met the love of my life. And now I'm in a beautiful, healthy, conscious, incredible relationship with someone that wants the same things as me, which is just incredible. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing all that, honey. And I know a lot of people listening can relate to elements of your story. But for someone listening who is thinking, I have that relationship with my body or I have that relationship with food and I know that I need to love my body. I know that I need to really dial up that self-love and and really work on that. It's easier said than done. So what are the steps? How have you done it? Do you know what? Honestly, for me, it was taking the attention off food and my body. Like I realized when I look back how much I revolved my life around food and weight and my body and fitness and things like that. And it was really when I started to go, do you know what? My purpose in this lifetime is not to shrink my body. It is not to control my food. Actually, I'm here for bigger things. And so I started filling my life with things that had nothing to do with food or fitness or health. And I realized that life isn't all about that. And so for me, my my big wake up call was like, oh, I really want to be a mom. And that's more important. Like that is more of a meaningful thing for me to have in my life. So I think honestly, like when we don't have loads of meaning in our life, I think we can attach meaning to things like weight loss and numbers on the scale. And we can get super obsessive and controlling. And I think actually when we do that, it's actually in the place of something else that could really be filling us up on a soul level and giving us true fulfillment. Mm, it's like finding that soul medicine for you, like what lights up your soul? Because when you know, you will not turn to the ice cream or the chips or the biscuits and things like that because you're so full from the inside out. Mm. And I was just thinking, you know, for me, for a lot of my late teens and most of my 20s, there was definitely this battle with my body, this battle with myself. And, you know, we spend so much of that period of our life doing everything to not get pregnant. So, you know, we go on the pill and we do everything to kind of not get pregnant and hate on our body. And then, you know, you hit your 30s or, or whenever and you go, oh, well, now I do want to get pregnant. And your body's like, well, you've just spent the last 10 years 
telling me to not get pregnant and not loving on me. And now you expect me to do the opposite. It's so crazy. And, you know, something that's really helped me fall even more in love with my body is watching my friends go through being pregnant and have babies. Like I'm like, you guys are freaking magicians. Like you guys are magic. Like Look at what your body just did. That is miraculous. Like, forget card tricks and pulling rabbits out of a hat. Like, a woman birthing a baby is the most miraculous thing you will ever see. And when we really understand that, and when we really, you know, witness that, you will have such a deeper appreciation and love for your temple, for your beautiful body. And you will start to treat it differently. Oh my God, I could not agree more. I am like, preach it. Like <laughs> a woman's body is why all of us are here. Like it's it's what has created all of mankind. Like we all came from a woman's body. You know, like how mm. on earth does that happen? Like this universe is just crazy, incredible. And Yet we think that we grow up thinking that we need to shrink our bodies. We need to change them. They're not good enough. We're going to battle with them. We treat our bodies like they are our enemies. And yeah, I think like another thing is when we get into that like super controlling place and super restricting place, we go really into our masculine. And I think we really disconnect from the feminine and we kind of, we deny ourselves pleasure. You know, we deny ourselves these feminine traits that are just so innate to us. And we say, nope, not allowed that. I'm going to control, control, control instead. And it's, it's not what the female body is designed for. No, exactly. And, you know, health is always best. Whatever size you're at where you feel healthy and strong and sexy in your own skin, that is the perfect weight for you. Where you feel those things, like it doesn't matter what that number says on the scales. It's how you feel in your own body. But I can imagine for you, because this definitely was the case for me, I had to do a lot of mean girl mastering. I had to do a lot of mindset reprogramming. Mm. Did you have to do that too? Oh, for sure. Like I had to question every single negative belief or story or, you know, thing about food that popped up into my head every time I sat down to have a meal or every time I opened my cupboards, I would have all of these kind of, you know, these rules. And I was, I would literally have to question all of them and go, where did this come from? Like what book, what teacher, what website did that, did I pick this up from that I then decided it was gospel? Because here's the thing, like our bodies have a wisdom and we don't listen to it. We prefer mm. to listen to, you know, any random person on the internet, anyone that's an expert, we say, oh, they must know my body better than I know my own. And we forget that our bodies actually are speaking to us every day and we're choosing not to listen. You know, a huge, huge part of my journey of healing from disordered eating and, you know, which was like seven years. I had bulimia for seven years. You know, a huge part of that was actually to to really tune in to my hunger signals, to my fullness signals. I had to tune in and really get honest with myself. Like, am I wanting food because I am feeling sorry for myself? Is it because I feel anxious? Is it because I am stressed? Or is this actually a calling from my body? And there's such a big difference. You know, there's impulsive emotional cravings that come on and that's psychological, you know, and then there's our bodies that are actually really hungry. And that comes from our stomach. You know, the, the two sensations come from a very different place. But yeah, my mingo was so loud, especially because, you know, obviously when you start eating intuitively after being super, super restrictive, of course your body's going to change. Like, of course you're going to gain a bit of weight. And I just kept affirming to myself, I was like, you might be gaining some weight, but girl, you are gaining back your life. You are gaining back your freedom. And do you know what? Actually, over time, that weight ended up 
coming off naturally because I'd stopped binging as well. So my body found this really natural place without me needing to control anything, without me needing to count things or track things. I just went, do you know what? My body is my teacher and that is the only person that I'm going to listen to. I had to unfollow a lot of kind of nutrition people. I stopped buying all the kind of fitness magazines and things. At the time, everyone was reading magazines. Um, And I honestly had to kind of detox myself from all of diet culture and all of these rules from other people and go, do you know what? All that matters for me right now is that I listen to my body, that I learn to love myself. And yeah, that that I go on this journey that no one else can go on except for me. So important. Bio-individuality. And this is why we really need to honor that because we are all so different and so unique and what works for you may not work for me. And this is why I, I don't post what I eat on my Instagram. You know, I don't post what I eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner because I don't want other people to then think that that's what they have to eat. And so I'm really cautious around that because we're all so different. We live in different climates. We have different needs. We have different Ayurvedic body types. Mm. And what works for me may not work for you. And I think another really important thing that you said is whilst you are healing, whilst you are going on this journey, that if you need to remove the triggers, whether they are in the form of magazines or Instagram accounts. If you need to remove those triggers, please do. Be kind to yourself, remove them. And then when you feel healed and strong enough within yourself, then sure, you can follow all of those people again. But it's really important, like know your triggers. Mm. And if you do need to remove them, then please do. A hundred percent. And like you said, like when you are feeling strong within yourself, when you are feeling, you know, embodied, when you have become friends with your body and you know what works for you instead of kind of just following what works for everyone else. Cause like you said, we are all completely different. You know, then if you want, you can go, do you know what? I actually really loved that gym class that I used to go to. I'm going to start going again. Or, you know, I really loved that meal that I used to make for myself, you know, I'm going to start cooking that meal again. But I think in the healing process, you have to kind of let go of all the rules. Otherwise, it's not going to, it's not going to have the, the effect that you want. And I think what I'm talking about when I say the effect that you want, what it really is, is freedom. You know, we, we, when we have a destructive relationship with food, really what we want is to feel free. We think what we want is to be skinnier or to reach a certain number, but really we just think that when we get that number, we'll feel free. And the truth is like I, you know, shrunk myself, got down to this ridiculously small weight and I was miserable. I hated myself still the same. I still wanted to cover up with baggy clothes. I I just still didn't think it was enough. And I really, really learned the hard way that a number is not ever going to make you happy. You have to do the work within yourself so that you can love yourself whatever your body looks like. So the self-love piece has to come first. I think a lot of people, and I certainly thought this as well, think that when I get to this weight, if I just lose this weight, then I'll love myself or then I'll start my self-love journey. And it's, it has to happen the other way around. It has to. And as you said, Melissa, if you, if you were to post all of your food, let's say, and you had someone that followed you and say you posted all of your workouts, all of your food, and someone that was following you ate exactly the same as you for like five years to exactly the same meals, exactly the same snacks, did exactly the same workouts, five years, their body would still not look like yours because all of our bodies are completely different and unique. And like you said, what works for one person is not going to work for another. And, you know, even if you work out all the time and eat super, super, super clean, like your body is not going to look like someone else's. It's always going to look like yours. And I think there's something so magical about that that we're missing. Like 8 billion people on this planet and no two bodies are the same. Isn't that just freaking amazing? Like, let's just Mm. witness how magic that actually is instead of trying to make ours look like someone else's. Yeah, it's so powerful and so important. So I want to talk to you about 
our relationship with food being a gateway for spiritual growth. Mm. Yes. Yes. (laughs) My favorite. Well, this is what catapulted my whole journey into personal and spiritual growth because I truly believe that our relationship with food is really just a reflection of our relationship with ourselves. When we start to look at our food, we have to start looking at ourselves and asking deeper, more meaningful questions, you know, and I always have this exercise that I do with people when I speak on stages, which kind of really links our food type, like how we are with food is often how we are in other areas of our life, right? So we are super controlling around food. It's likely that we're going to be the same when it comes to relationships or money or, you know, anything. If we're all or nothing with food, you know, we're probably an all or nothing person in our lives. If we're binging all the time, you know, overeating, we're probably doing the same thing with money. You know, we're overdoing it. You know, we're overpacking, we're overspending. We've got so much stuff. And I think from finding that link, there's really like such a mirror, like our relationship with food really holds a mirror up to our lives. So if you start with food, you know, which is how I started obviously looking at, okay, I really want to heal my relationship with food. I went on that journey and what I really did was I healed so much to do with the relationship with myself. So it it is all about self-love. I mean, I believe everything always leads back to self-love, but when you go on that journey with food and you realize that it's actually not about the food, it's never been about the food, it's the food is just a way for us to kind of express ourselves, right? Because we interact with food so many times a day. So, you know, if we want to express like a filling up of a void, we're going to like food is the easiest thing for us to turn to you know, for some people, it might not be food. It might be money. It might be spending. It might be relationships. You know, people might fill that void from texting people or, you know, gambling or all these kind of other addictions. But for a lot of people and for a lot of women, especially women that are led by their emotions, food is the easiest thing to turn to when we are feeling emotional, when we are feeling like a void that we want to fill. So yeah, I think it's such a powerful tool, our relationship with food, because it's just not about food itself. I agree. I've got a little practical thing that everybody can do that can really help start to pattern break what they may currently be doing. So if you notice right now that you are reaching for the ice cream when you feel that emotion or whatever bubbles away inside you, what I get everybody to do is write down a self-love menu. So on that self-love menu, it's 10 things that you absolutely love that light up your soul. So for example, we don't want it to involve anyone else. So it's usually just something you'll do on your own. So on my self-love menu, going to the beach and diving in the ocean and spending time in the sunshine, that is one of mine. Soaking in an Epsom salt bath with essential oils, getting a massage, or even just giving myself an essential oil massage, reading a good book in nature, having a cup of tea by myself. You know, there's so many different things that you can do. So I want everybody to create this self-love menu and I want you to stick it on your fridge. So 10 things that fill you up from the inside out because what ice cream does is it fills you up from the outside in, but we want to fill you up from the inside out. And so whenever you have that desire or that urge to go and binge or to numb or to fill a void with the ice cream or whatever it is, I Mm. want you to stop, take a deep breath and do something off that menu instead. Ideally, we should be doing things off that menu every single day, the more the better. But especially in these moments to break that pattern. So we need a pattern break. And in order to do that, we have to do something different. And so anytime you feel that feeling of wanting to numb, wanting to fill that void, I want you to go and do something off that self-love menu instead. And maybe you need to do one or two things off that menu. And that is going to help you break that pattern. That's the best place that you can start to shift that pattern. Yes, I completely agree. I have some more actually to add to that as well that I've used in my programs with my clients. 
And that is that in those moments when you have that urge, when you catch yourself, what we can do in those moments is we kind of catch ourselves and we go, oh, here I go again. Oh, I know that I'm binging, but here I go. I'm just binging. And you kind of watch yourself go through this pattern and you say, I know what to do, but I just can't do it. And if you find yourself in that place, I want you to really like ask yourself, like if you, if you cannot bring yourself to go and do something different, just ask yourself, okay, what am I actually feeling here? Like what feeling is this that I'm trying to avoid, that I'm trying to numb, that I'm trying to push down and actually give yourself the time and the chance to actually answer that question. Because, you know, it's probably going to be something like stressed or lonely or sad, or, you know, it could be, it could even be like, I'm ecstatic and I, and I don't know how to deal with the amount of ecstasy that I feel right now. So I'm going to numb with food. You know, it's any feeling that we want to push down or that doesn't feel right for us, that feels uncomfortable. And so really like an, a real act of self-love, if you cannot bring yourself to go and do anything from that menu is literally just to ask yourself, like, what is this feeling and name it? Because, you know, if you are, you know, if you can really see, okay, I'm eating this or I'm going for this ice cream because I feel anxious. You know, you can clearly work out for yourself that actually it doesn't solve the problem of the anxiety and it gives you the opportunity to dig a little bit deeper and, you know, really get to the root of what that anxiety has come from. You know, does it, has it come from people pleasing? Has it come from something that someone said to you today? Has it come from your day or your plan going out of control? Like what has led to that anxiety? Because when you eat to numb a feeling, you're not doing any healing. Oh, that rhymes. I have to remember that one for a little bit. <laughs> um, when you eat to numb the feeling, you're not doing any healing. You're just kind of masking over it. And the other thing is like, you know, for me personally, when I was kind of fighting this urge to go back to binging, uh, something really powerful that I would ask myself in those moments would be, can I eat this in a loving way? Can I eat this exact same food in a loving way. And I never, ever could because binging is not self-love. It's self-harm, right? So it's not even about the food itself. It's just about the act of like stuffing it in to fill a void. And so when you ask yourself, like, could I sit with this food and actually make it a really loving, pleasurable experience, you'll find that you don't actually want it anymore because it was never about the food, right? And, you know, I'm really big on helping women get more pleasure in their lives in, in all areas, in food, in sex everything. So we are not for one moment demonizing ice cream, right? What I want to offer to you is have your favorite foods. If you love steak, eat it. If you love chocolate, have it. Don't deny yourself, but make it like a really loving experience for your body. Make it a nourishing experience for your body. You know, treat yourself to the most luxurious, you know, dark, organic, like gorgeous luxury chocolates. You know, if you love steak, don't buy like the cheap like shitty meat, like go to like a really amazing steak restaurant, enjoy your food slowly, ceremoniously, like make it feel amazing. It's such a different feeling when you do that and you go, you choose quality food instead of whenever we binge, we always tend to binge on like cheap, you know, trash food because we're not giving our bodies love in that moment. We're wanting to harm our bodies. So give your body's love in the way of like, see your food as like, I'm going to give my body this precious gift of this, my favorite food, right? Um, and you'll find that when you do that, you really enjoy, you know, you really savor it instead of just stuffing it in because it's a completely different intention around the whole eating experience. Oh yeah, absolutely. Enjoy it. Make sounds with your mouth, you know, close your eyes, go, mm, oh, yum. Like that's literally what I do when I'm eating. Like my husband and I have a full on experience with our food and we pour so much love and we get the best quality and we sit and we enjoy our food. We're not watching anything. We're not on our phones. We're just with each other and I'm smacking my lips and I'm, oh, yum, this is amazing. <laughs> and it's so much more fun because I haven't always been like that. Like you, I haven't always had that too. So 
start to have an experience with your food and turn it into a loving relationship and not a sabotaging self-harm, that is what a lot of people are doing. Let's let's be kind. Let's be loving toward ourselves, especially yeah. when it comes to our food. Yes. A huge shift for me was actually realizing that food was not the enemy. Food, like actually the purpose of food is to fuel my body so I can live a long, healthy life. You know, I gave food so much power over me. I gave away all of my power and I thought that food was out to get me. Like I thought that food was talking to me. Like I thought that food was like the enemy and I would do whatever I could to avoid it. And I had the same thoughts around my body. You know, I thought that my body wanted me to be obese. I thought that my body wanted me, like I thought that my body was against me, right? And a huge shift for me was realizing, you know, I get to decide that food is actually my friend and my body is like my ally for my whole life. And so food actually wants me to have a healthy body. Food wants me to live a, such an abundant, healthy, amazing life. And when I kind of made that switch, I was like, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> but I had lived for so many years thinking the opposite, living in this fear mindset, this, you know, this awful, you know, mindset of like, everything's out to get me, which is obviously mm. such a negative way to, to live. And obviously that fed into other, other areas of my life, right? Mm because everything touches everything. So yeah, like, you know, just in the same way as like, if you want to improve your money mindset, you have to start seeing money as your friend. Same with food, same with your body. Yeah. It reflects in every area of your life. How you do one thing is how you do all things. But I would Mm -hmm. love to hear, is there anything that you're working on within yourself at the moment? Oh gosh, always, always. Something that I'm working on in myself at the moment is boundaries. And I'm really seeing that come forward for me as a huge lesson in self-love. And it's something that I thought I had got, I, I know I have got a lot, lot better with them. But more recently, I've seen a few patterns come up where I have felt like, oh, okay, I needed stronger boundaries then. And I didn't, you know, I might have said boundaries, but then I didn't stand by them. And so that's something that I'm really working on at the moment is really seeing that as an act of self-love. I trust so easily, Melissa, like I trust, I give, I give a lot and I trust very easily. And I expect people to always kind of give the same back or kind of uphold that trust. And and I don't really allow people to earn it. I think that's something that I'm really working on personally for me right now. Yeah. Boundaries are so important. I didn't used to have boundaries and now I am really good at it. And I have I have a lot of boundaries in all the different areas of my life and I'm really good at that. Something you know, you said about trust and Brene Brown says that vulnerability builds trust. And so if you've got like a relationship, it's almost like you see two people and one of them is very open and vulnerable and shares something very deep. And then that person on the other side kind of takes a step in. And then that person shares something very open and honest and vulnerable. And then the person on the other side takes a step in. So that trust is getting built and strengthened. Mm. And it only gets strengthened by us sharing and being open and authentic and honest and vulnerable. Mm. You know, if we're having these superficial relationships where we're never going deeper, then that vulnerability and that trust doesn't ever deepen. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the more open and honest and vulnerable I have been in my relationships, the stronger that trust has gotten. So I just wanted to offer that to you. And and then around the boundaries, yeah, boundaries is self-love, like it is Mm self-love. And so what I did was, and I and I talk about this in Open Wide, which is my second book, I go through a whole 
section dedicated to boundaries in every area. So what are your money boundaries? What are your relationship boundaries? What are your sexual boundaries? What are your health boundaries? You know, and we go through every area of your life and I give you all of my boundaries that I've set in all of these different areas. And it's really important that you know them within yourself and that you're quite firm with them as well. Yeah. And because these boundaries set up the foundations of your relationship and they are how you teach others to be in relationship with you. And this isn't like, we're not saying putting up a brick wall and being like, no one's getting in. You can't get in here. A boundary is an act of self-love and it says, well, this is what I believe and this is what's true for me. And I'm not going to let you stomp all over that. Like, this is my truth and my belief. So yeah, maybe you need to read that section in the book. Yeah, no, thank you. I will. I really appreciate that. I think, you know, for me personally, it's been a case of I'm great at getting really vulnerable, but sometimes I've not been the wisest about who that is with. And I've almost like, I suppose, like not let someone earn earn the right to kind of have that have yes. that vulnerability if that makes sense so I think there's I think there's a balance you know as with everything I think there's a balance of you know there's a line isn't there between like vulnerability and oversharing and then going over your own boundary and I think that's where I need to really you know dig deep into where that line is for me absolutely absolutely Now, I want to shift gears a little bit, and I would love to hear if you had a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world, besides your books, which totally need to be in the curriculum, what (laughs) book would you choose? Oh, my God, this is such a hard question. I am going to probably say The Artist's Way. Yes. Because I think we could all do with really understanding and allowing ourselves to be creative. And I think at school, it's not often celebrated our our inner artist. And so that's what I would, that's definitely what I would put, I think. Yeah. Oh, I love that book. I love it so much. It's so good. And we'll link to that in the show notes as well as your amazing books. Mm. Now, I want to hear about how your days look and in particular your morning routine because you live in London but right now you're in Bali for a month is it yes yes okay so tell us how you prime yourself for your day and what your days look today and I know no two days are ever the same but I would love to hear how your days unfold Totally. So I realized when I started traveling a lot and I, you know, I kind of have been between London, Bali and LA, but mostly London now, but I realized how important it is to have a routine, especially when you are, if you are traveling, you know, if you move around, you've got to have that routine in place. So for me now, every time I come back to Bali, I come back to the same place. I have my same cafe that I sit in every morning. I have the same gym that I go to because that routine really grounds me. So in London, I get up and the first thing that I do is I go and move my body. I go and work out. Then I have a protein shake, which has got all these amazing plant-based protein, milk, peanut butter, plant-based milk, obviously, some coffee in there. And then I go and sit in the park and I do a little meditation. I love the Calm app. So I do that in the park and then I might journal while I'm there or I might come home and when I'm walking home because I get to walk to the gym, which I love to do because I can listen to a podcast. So yeah, and then by the time I've got home from the gym, I feel like I've really nourished myself and I can go and start my day. So that is my London that's my London routine. Obviously not every day starts like that. And I, you know, I have to say that I, you know, if my body is aching so much and my body is like, nah, no gym today. Or if my body is like, okay, girl, you are menstruating. Today's not the day to go and lift weights or run. Then I just honor my body and I, and I let myself have that extra time in bed. But what's helped me solidify that routine is to tie everything into each other. So I know that if I don't make it to that workout, I'm also missing that protein shake that comes afterwards because I get it from the gym, right? I also know that I'm missing my time to listen to a podcast. I'm missing my time to go sit in the park. So everything connects with everything. So I know that if I 
don't make it. I'm actually not just missing one part of my routine. I'm missing like a lot of like all of it. So that's helped me because I'm not naturally a routine gal, I gotta say. But then when I come to Bali, um, similar. So I will go and have a little matcha latte at this cafe that I love. Then I will go do a workout and then I will come back to the same cafe and journal um, and then come home and start my day. So yeah, <laughs> that's, that's my morning routine in a nutshell. Love it. So beautiful. Now, do you live in the center of London? Whereabouts do you live? Oh, you don't have to tell me your exact address. <laughs> no, I'm really like, we actually just moved a few months ago to Notting Hill, which is such a gorgeous part of London. We are in between two massive parks, which is so important to us. Like I cannot be without nature. It's so, so important for me. So yeah, I really love, love the part of London that I live in. Yeah. I lived there for two years. Did you know that? No, I did not. Whereabouts did you live? I lived all over, but I lived in Maida Vale, which is right mm-hmm. near Notting Hill. Yeah. And I lived all over London, but I lived there for two years and I loved it. But I am such a sun and beach baby that now reflecting back, I don't know how I did it because for me, I'm just like a mermaid. And it, the sun and the sea just make me so happy. And that's mm-hmm. why you probably escaped to Bali to get that little fix of sunshine. But do you find that it affects you or do you just go to LA and Bali in those winter months? No, do you know what? This is like an ongoing conversation with me and me every single day because I am the exact same as you. I am a mermaid. I am I am an Aquarius, Aquarius, Pisces rising. I am a Vata. I am such a water baby. Like I... I love being by the sea. I love the sun on my face. When I'm in Bali, I feel the most at home that I ever felt. But I had to make a decision because we actually, I actually lived in Bali for 18 months and I moved out here because I just love it so much. But I actually made the decision, we didn't talk about this, but this is quite recent for me, that I actually really wanted to give something to my inner child. And that was to go back to acting classes because that was my first passion. And so I really wanted to give that to myself. And so in order to do that, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have to go back to London to make that happen. And so every day I'm in London and it's like a bit rainy or a bit cold, I remind myself I came back here because of little Melissa and to give something to her. And that just makes it all worth it. And, you know, for, for all the other times, you know, I can, whenever I have time and whenever I, whenever I create the time, for a holiday or when I'm running a retreat, I can come back over to Bali whenever I want. So yeah, for me being in London, it serves a purpose and we are living in the most beautiful part of London that we could possibly imagine. But I am exactly the same as you, Melissa, and I haven't been to Australia yet. And you know why? Because I know that as soon as I get there, I'm going to be like, Australia. Like I need to live here and I just can't do another move. (laughs) Like I've moved a lot. (laughs) Oh, babe, you will love it. It is so beautiful. I mean, we're in the middle of winter right now. And today I'm sweating and it's 25 degrees Celsius in the middle of winter. Like I'm about to go for a swim after this. It's just so beautiful. Oh, I know. God, it's, do you know what? And I think this is another to, to kind of circle back to food. I think when we, when we kind of get into a warped relationship with food, we think that food is the only element to health and it isn't. Like there is our environment, like our routines, like the sunshine, you know, water, like movement, dance, relationships, like all of these things contribute to a healthy being. It's not just all about the food. And, you know, I I completely agree. Like when I'm in Bali, I feel so nourished, not just by the amazing food here, but by the the sun, by the sea, you know, by the, the conversations. And I think, you know, real like nourishment in all areas of our life is what we need to be striving for and aiming for, not just putting all of our focus just on food. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You've got to have a holistic approach. It's not just about drinking the green smoothies. You've got to look at every piece of the puzzle. Absolutely. All right, beautiful girl. I've got three rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? 
Oh gosh, I don't know what these are. I've been dreading this bit. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What's one thing that we can do today for our health? Move, move your body, like anything, move, walk, dance, jump, run, anything, swim, just move, just move your body. Beautiful. I totally agree. That is one of the best ways to release stagnant energy and energy blocks. I just love it. Even if you get like a little rebounder and jump on that for 10 minutes, do some star jumps, whatever you got to do, shake it out, whatever. So yeah. Put on a tune, go like when you're in the bathroom, just put on a track and just dance. You know, even that just like shakes away all this stagnant energy. Totally. All right. What is one thing that we can do for more wealth in our life? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Mm, Start believing that we are worthy of it and we deserve it. A statement that I've been, you know, saying to myself recently is my success is inevitable. My wealth is inevitable. And the more I say that, the more I believe it. And I think, you know, for more wealth in our lives, it's all, it's all an inner game. It's all about those beliefs. It's all about our inner universe. So yeah, believing that you deserve it. Mm, Absolutely. Dial up that worthyometer. That's for sure. Okay. And the last one is what is one thing that we can do for more love in our life? Mm, More love in our lives. I think, as you said earlier, like get vulnerable and really like open yourself up for real intimacy with the people around you, with your relationships, with your friendships, but most of all with yourself. You know, I really believe that a way to get intimate with ourselves and is to really get to know ourselves is through journaling. You know, through journaling is how we can really have conversations with our soul and get really intimate with ourselves. So increased self-love will increase the love in the rest of your life as well. So yeah, intimacy is the key. Yes, I love that. This has been so beautiful so far, honey. Is there Anything else that you want to share? Any last parting words of wisdom or anything that you really wanted to talk about that I haven't asked you about? Hmm. Well, actually, something that's been coming up a lot for my clients and my audience recently has been around sex and pleasure and just how linked that is to our relationship with food and our relationship with our bodies. And so I guess I want to say that like, if your relationship with food is disordered or dysfunctional and you're kind of noticing that you're also not allowing or receiving pleasure in your sex life, then I really do believe that one can directly inform the other. And if you allow yourself to be open to receiving more pleasure in all areas of your life, then you're going to feel rich in rich in the bedroom, rich in the kitchen, rich in every single area of your life. Oh, yeah. You know what? In the bedroom, I feel the most goddessy and sexy and just high vibe, Mm -hmm. the highest vibe version of myself. You know what I mean? Like, that's where I really get to Mm. unleash that inner goddess. And it's so fun. And I remember, you know, in my 20s, feeling so ashamed of my body, like wanting to make love in the dark and wanting to keep my, my like my top on and feeling so embarrassed or, and ashamed of my body. And just reflecting back, I'm like, wow, you know, I just want to hug that beautiful girl and just give her so much love and say, you are perfect and beautiful and whole just as you are and embrace that beautiful temple of yours, because you only get one. Mm. This is it. We've only been gifted one earth suit for this lifetime, and we need to look after it. We need to take care of it. We need to treat it like a temple because it is a temple. Amen. And I think, you know, a huge part of loving your body is really loving your pussy. (laughs) Like, Like, I have to say that because, you know, we get into a sexual relationship with someone and we aren't getting into a sexual relationship with ourselves first. And I think, you know, if you want to feel like a goddess in the bedroom, you have to make yourself feel like a goddess 
first and then invite someone else to be a witness to that and be a partner for that instead of waiting for someone else to make you feel how you want to feel. I think you know, our sexual experiences have got to come from us. And I think it's so important for women to explore their bodies in that way, to, you know, remove that stigma from, you know, self-pleasure. I think it's so, so important. And I think it can release so much and can can heal so much in a woman's body. Uh, that's probably a conversation for another time, but it's all, it's <laughs> all linked. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And something that I really recommend is starting with self-love massage. So this is where you grab your favorite essential oils and, you know, organic fractionated coconut oil, Mm -hmm. and you literally touch every single bit of your body and you massage that beautiful oil in and you say things like, I love you and thank you. I love you. Thank you. And you go over your breasts and you say, thank you, breasts. I love you. And you go over your belly and your thighs and your butt and your kneecaps and your toes and your shins. And you literally do not leave a bit of skin unoiled and untouched and unloved. And this is one of my favorite self-love practices to do. Mm, I love that. I love that. It just gets you friendly and accustomed to all the little nooks and crannies of your body. I think it's so powerful. And I think, you know, being naked more, like just being naked with your mm. like in bed in the mornings, walking around the house, doing the ironing, <laughs> making food. Like we, you know, we have to get comfortable with our beautiful naked bodies. It's how we were born. And yeah, I just think it's such a powerful practice. The more we can give that love to our bodies, you know, the more we're able to receive. Totally. My husband and I are in summer. We are naked a lot of the time. And uh, one of my friends was like, can I pop in? And I was like, oh, well, just just let me know. Like, actually, let me know if you are going to pop in because I'm usually walking around in nothing. And she's like, oh, yeah, don't worry. Me too. And because where we live, it's so hot in summer. You kind of have to. You just need to derobe, but not so much in winter. It's I'm a little bit of a chicken. I need some clothes in winter. I love that so much. I love that so much. Yeah, whenever I get home from Bali, because obviously in Bali and I guess where you live as well, like it's all bikinis and flip-flops and floaty things. I get back to London and I have to put jeans on and shoes and a bra and I'm like, what is (laughs) I feel so restricted. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So get some nudie time. It's so good for your soul and your mind and your body. Yeah, I I absolutely love it. Mm. Now, my love, this has been so beautiful to chat and connect with you. And thank you so much for sharing so vulnerably and honestly about your journey. It's been so powerful. And I know everyone listening will feel that too. And I've absolutely loved connecting with you. And I want to thank you so much for the work that you do and for being here and for sharing and for shining your light so bright. And I want to know how I can serve you, how I and the listeners can serve you today, because I'm a massive believer in service. So how can we serve you? You are so beautiful. Thank you. Honestly, keep keep putting out these amazing podcast episodes you know before before we hit record on this I told Melissa that I actually have you know this is one of the first podcasts that I start listening started listening to back when woohoo and I was like this is amazing and so yeah like just know that the work that you're doing is incredible and don't stop basically that's it just keep being you oh and you be you that beautiful you and everyone listening you be you too So thank you so much, my darling. This has been beautiful and I'm going to get you to Australia one day. Oh, don't even, I, (laughs) I cannot wait for that day. I cannot wait. You and be like, I'm coming over. You better be naked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, why not? Let's do it. (laughs) Thank you so much, my love. It's been awesome. Thank you so much. Wasn't that awesome? What a beautiful soul she is. I really felt a deep soul sister connection with her. And I don't know, maybe it's because we're both called Melissa. I don't know. 
maybe, who knows, but she is a beautiful soul. I got so much out of it. And if you did too, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that you could be the review of the week for next week. Who knows? It might be you. And don't forget to come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me your top key takeaways from this episode. I absolutely love reading them all. And also for everything that Mel and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 231. And you can listen to all my other episodes there too. And just before I go, I wanted to say thank you so much for being here, darlings. I love you so much and I'm so proud of you and honored that you want to share your time with me and that you want to be the best and the healthiest and the happiest you and that you want to just show up for yourself. It's awesome. I'm so proud of you. And now if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, I know so many women that would benefit from it. So please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them. Just do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, my darling, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.